And welcome back, rugby fans, once again to our familiar format. For many of our fans, we'll recognize this as the run, pass, or kick interviews made famous by our guests, just like the one here today, Holden Youngard. You know him as an MLR staple. He has been around for many seasons, although his next season may look quite different from the ones before, as he calls a new place home. And that's why, among the many reasons, he is here today for our run, pass, or kick interviews. Now, again, for those of you who are not yet familiar with how it works, I'm going to hand you over to my colleague, Rob Habishman, to tell you how it goes. Well, uh, rugby fans, welcome back to season three. And for those of you who are new to the Rugby Rant interview, or RPK is what we call it, it's called the Run, Pass, or Kick, and it works like this. Basically, we're going to pose uh, several questions to hold in over the course of 45 minutes to an hour. We'll prompt each question with Run, Pass, or Kick. And just like any good scrummy, Holden has to use his skills to navigate through the interview by choosing deftly whether he wants to run with a question, pass a question, or kick a question. If he runs with it, he's going to let us know, and he's simply going to answer the question straight up. Uh, we know um, Holden likes to run with that ball a little bit, so I'd venture to guess he'll be running with a few questions. But we also know that a good scrum has to be able to pass, and sometimes Holden may feel like there's a question he doesn't quite want to answer, doesn't want to get in trouble with any of his uh, new teammates or perhaps old teammates, I don't know, um, and he can go ahead and pass it. Or he can have a little fun with us, put us on the back foot, just like any good scrummy does. And we know Holden's one of those scrummies that likes to have a little fun with the opposition. He's going to, he can kick it to us and put us on the back foot, put us on the defensive. And when he does that, that means we're going to answer the question as we think he would answer it. And he can grade us out. He can tell us we were shite. He can tell us we did spot on. All right, Holden. So the first question, we don't want to hem you up too much. We want to have a lot of fun with the first question, set a nice tone for the uh, run, pass, or kick interview style. So here we go. Uh, and I, I got to admit, and, and the guys in the show will admit, that I'm a, a bit of a stalker on social media whenever we have a guest in. So uh, don't be surprised by that fact. Um, I'm not weird or anything. Um, so your Facebook page indicates that you are a fan of the Star Wars franchise or the star wars series pick any of the star wars franchise characters which one do you most identify with and why the one i most identify with oh it's actually a rather hard question you know um you especially considering I have John John Binks, and every fan would be okay with it. <laughs> 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 you know um i think everybody you know probably loves that the dark side, you know, so I'd have to go with the classic guy, uh, you know, Darth Vader. Does everybody like the dark side? <laughs> it's, it's fun, you know, it's not something you get to act out all the time. So, you know, why not, uh, you know, kind of live a little bit and, and enjoy, uh, you know, Kill a little cool bit. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know what? I respect that iconic character helped define the series. So yeah, I mean, integral to it. So I, I can respect that. Eventually, becomes yeah, good, just... and everybody loves to hate yeah, us. So, you know, like, you know the battle. Okay. Yeah. You know, we can all be good, but we got bad inside us as well. I, I like it. You know, that's kind of the journey. <laughs> He's the OG uh, bad guy, really. That's right, 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 right. Exactly. Iconic and always easily identifiable. You know, we're going to stick on that theme of the dark side a little bit here. I'm going to stretch it a little bit because I'm going to dive in with the next question. So question two, my friend, 
run past or kick. You know the rules by now. Your nickname is the vampire. So you see where I was kind of doing, using the transition <laughs> to the dark side here a little bit. But here lies the, the question. Many people may not know that this, uh, that this is in fact your nickname well before joining the NOLA Gold. So my question to you is, did you embrace it? Or did you just tolerate the vampire moniker you had been given? Oh, it's definitely one of those things that, that grew on me. Um, you know, courtesy of, uh, of Dallin, uh, I got it in, I got it in a sevens tournament. I had a really, uh, poor hair dye job and, uh, you know, he just, he said it and he stuck with it and it's been with me ever since. So, uh, you know, I, I've definitely maybe grown into it a little bit. Um, you know, maybe I have a reputation of going for blood sometimes. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's, it's good. I'm sure there's worse things to be called out there, you know? So, so what I'm hearing to... without you saying it is tolerate it. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do. I definitely do. You have a Dallin Stanford. He tolerates it. Dallin's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a good friend of the show. So we, we like to be able to point it out and get one back whenever we can. A little, right. little healthy yeah. rivalry never hurt anyone. <laughs> yeah it's good it'll keep it coming too so it's all good absolutely so going back a little bit to the wayback machine uh just a little bit farther back than that sevens tournament where you earned the moniker of the vampire you grew up playing rugby in uh petaluma california i think i said it right correct petaluma yeah um just north of san francisco uh from there you attended saint mary's college uh where the gales made the d1a 15s finals five years straight while you were there. That's an impressive record. Winning three national championship titles. That's right. Yeah. We are in the we are in the uh presence of greatness here. When did you know, run past or kick, when did you know that you wanted to make that you wanted to have a go at a rugby career? Honestly, um it was I'm probably one of the first guys, um, you know, aged guys to really have a, a shot with it domestically, you know, um, right when I graduated, um, St. Mary's was the next, next year was the first year of the MLR. Um, right. But before that, you know, you, you kind of grow up and I didn't start playing rugby till I was 14, but you know, I, I knew of rugby. My dad played, um, my uncle played and, you know, I had a ball in my hand in elementary school. And, you know, like, you get those questions in elementary school. I was like, yeah, why not? I'll be a rugby player. I don't know what else I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, as the days and years went by, uh, it became more and more real. And uh, and now I'm here. Absolutely. And it's been a – you've had a great career. We were just remarking before we went on the show, you know, we're five years in, and, and as Holden said – he was amongst one of the first professionals in the MLR. He was in that first class in 2018. So here he is, you know, five years in to his professional career, same as the MLR. And quite frankly, you know, he's a he's one of those old grizzled veterans in the league, which is pretty amazing to think of it because you still look uh, pretty fresh faced, especially compared <laughs> yeah. to us old guys on this side of the microphone. <laughs> you know, I love that you added a lot more depth to that because like Holden was like, well, I picked up a ball in elementary school and uh, here I am. 
<laughs> but you know it is such an incredible journey though and one that you should be proud of i mean the accolades that have come along the way you know every single one of these milestones that you reach just kind of allow you to stop assess and set that next bar of success and you know and and that's hopefully where where what you're doing you know looking ahead to season five as i'm sure many of your colleagues are uh, because building on, on top of season four, which was already a great success in many areas, but I want to turn our attention to a little bit of that history that you've got, those formative years again. And with the next question lined up here, run, pass, or kick, the seven-year statute of limitations is almost up for most of that run. What is that one college rugby story that continues to live on when you get together with the boys from the old team? Oh, you're going to have to make me uh, dig in the memory banks for this. There's a, there's a pretty good one. And so at St. Mary's, we, uh, you know, we were skilled. We worked hard. We uh, did a lot of fitness and running. And uh, Tim O'Brien, head coach there, you know, he, uh, he loves his mind games, um, you know, which, uh, which are great. So there was uh, this one time where we just finish up training and it's, it's getting dark. We just finished running and uh, we're finishing the, the training with a, a couple push-ups, like unified push-ups, you know, 50 guys mm-hmm. in a circle, everybody does 10 push-ups together. Um, and then we get our 10 push-ups done and we're just sitting there in a, like a push-up plank and our captain's in the middle, Kevin O'Connor. Um, he's been around the league. He's in the middle. Dylan Odsley's out there. Um, you know, a few guys, uh, Aaron Matthews, you know, all these guys in the league now, and we're just sitting right. there in the plank and one minute goes by, two minutes go by, you know, they keep going by and going by and, uh, no one really says anything, you know, like the coach doesn't come over. Tim O'Brien doesn't come over. None of the coaches say anything. And we're just holding this plank. And I think finally, like 20 minutes go by and finally, like me and one other guy like shuffle our way up to the captain. We're like, Hey, what, what are we doing out here, man? Like, why are we still out here? Um, and he, he just looked at me and said, the coach never said, get up. And so we just held it for a little bit longer. And, you know, like, I think like, I don't know the exact number, but it could have been like 28 minutes. We held this plank and all the guys are like shaking and like on the verge of tears. And finally we just call it. We're like, all right, this is enough. Like, we're getting <laughs> yeah. out of here. It's like 7 p.m. Coach forgot about us. <laughs> yeah. Coach yeah, is sitting in a lawn chair drinking a beer it. and he's watching you guys and laughing. Right, 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 right. Yeah, like, like, what was the joke? He was behind the sheds. The guy was like, let's, yeah. let's just see how long they sit there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just, uh, he just. Yeah, last year's team with know? 27 minutes. Let's see if they break the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was, uh, you know, a legendary feat of, uh, you know, endurance in the core muscles. Right, so. right. I mean, and also in a weird way, kind of bonding for your team because now yeah. you've got this it common was. story. Uh, and isn't that just what rugby's about, right? It's so much in between. And stories like that kind of personify the spirit, uh, the camaraderie, um, you know, the discipline that the sport brings to to one another. And the respect, too, because it was like, well, coach didn't dismiss us yet, so it was still here. Yeah. Uh, and that's the Yeah, yeah, nobody was going to be the first one, uh, yeah. first one to stand up, you know, so. Right, right. right. <laughs> 
Brilliant. I yeah. love that. Uh, well, let's dive into the next one here as we get closer to around about our halfway mark. We're going to take a few moments to share a few words from one of our sponsors. Um, but let me dive into the next question here, uh, Holden. And you have been a great sport so far. So um, actually, I think we're up. You take the next one and then we go into uh, a little bit of an outro to share some news from one of our sponsors. So take it away. All right. Sorry, you had mentioned that you'd played in college with several guys at St. Mary's who are now in the league, you know, the likes of Aaron Matthews and Kevin O'Connor, et cetera, et cetera. The MLR draft has now held two collegiate drafts, or excuse me, the league has held two collegiate drafts. How different, run pass or kick, how different was your transition process to the professional leagues as compared to the guys coming out in the draft? Somebody like an Aaron Matthews who was indeed in the draft two years ago. So I'll run with that. Um, and it's something I think about a lot because, um, you know, the the time and skill of new players coming up is constantly improving, right? The game's getting better and better and better. Um, but I'll stand firm and say that, you know, most guys coming out of college need a year to develop. The league's getting to that point where the skill level and the speed of things just – it's, it's a bit higher. The bodies are bigger. And if, if you don't go to one of these schools that's playing men's club and you don't really have that experience, um, I think you need that little bit of time to develop, no matter how good you are. Um, and there definitely are talented players, but, um, you know, it's it's like anything, you know, it's a bit of experience and, you know, minutes behind you get the confidence going. And, um, yeah, I'd say that's my answer to that. And there's a bit of physicality difference too, isn't there? You know, when you jump, yeah. even if you're prepared in that, you know, like St. Mary's, the Lifes, the Lindenwoods all have, you know, really high level training environments where they're going every day. They have gym sessions, et cetera, but there's still no substitute for physically getting in the mix at the highest of levels in, in the MLR, right? Yeah, and you just don't see the the bodies, you know, like a, a 250, 260 pound prop um, in a college game, you know, and you, you might see them, but they're not they're not one of the fastest guys on the field, you know. So um, you definitely don't the encounter isn't the same. But at the MLR, you know, you could definitely get caught in a pretty bad situation if you run at the wrong guy or uh, you know think you're a bit quicker than some of these big guys. Hundred percent. So we're going to take a break here for a moment, thank one of our sponsors, and then we'll come back with some additional questions for Holden Youngert, then one of the newest members of the New England Free Jacks, formerly of the NOLA Gold. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers, but it is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday night. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans as it is just steps away from the Metra Railway. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce loves the rugby. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name, Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends 
and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or a dark barrel-aged brew, Tight Ed can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tight Ed Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tight Ed, it's worth more than a try. And welcome back, rugby fans, of course, to the familiar fan favorite, the Rugby Rant Podcast Show for Season (laughs) 3. That's right, of course, MLR Rugby is just around the corner as we are entering Season 5, gentlemen. It is, of course, uh, right around the corner now. We're all excited. It's been a long wait, and it's about to come to be. And, of course, that means that it's Rugby Rant Podcast time. But before we dive any further, I must give an introduction to my colleagues here. So first of all, let me start with my reminding you, my name is Ty Braga, the host for today's activities, alongside Scott, the big guy Ferrara, joining him on the left-hand side. You see Rob, the hammer hammerschmidt, and our guest ranter for today is Cam Tice from the familiar favorite of the Rugby Index, where you can get all the information you need about the recent trades across the league and more. So Cam, welcome to the show. Good to be here, guys. Glad to do it again. Yeah, I think this is your second, third, maybe even fourth third. time. I think it's somewhere between second and three. Is it three? I think uh, it's three. three. Probably, Probably the third time. time. That must mean we like you. I think we're in regular territory now. I get to say that I'm a regular now. Is that a thing? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, we're regular. It was still under negotiation. So uh, let me take an opportunity to be able to remind our viewers what we do and why we're here. So here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, we are certainly one of those shows that likes to be able to focus on the fan first. In fact, we consider ourselves as saying that Rugby Rant is a part of growing the rugby community across North America. And we do that with your help and with the help of our sponsors, one of which is, of course, Tighthead Brewing. You'll learn a little bit more about them as we continue forward. But today is going to be a little different. We're going to introduce something new because we have been working and brainstorming new ideas on how to bring rugby to you through this podcast. And we are going to share the news from around the pitch. In this segment, my colleagues will shout off what they think is important, what they think you should know about. And it's going to be quick fire rounds as they move from one to another. And you're going to get a deeper insight to what's going on in the league each and every week. And they will share their views and why you should know about it and why you should learn more. So on that note, maybe the best thing to do is to show you how it works. So I'm going to throw it right up above me to Scott, the big guy Ferrara. Tell us what's going on around the pitch. Well, the, the topic I'm going over is a former Ireland front row, Nick Popowell, who was uh, played for Ireland in the 90s, came out uh, on his LinkedIn and was talking about how um, some of these announcers talk about the scrum and don't know what they're talking about. And he's quoted as saying, the easy option of analysis is that if, is a, if a scrum is in trouble, the number one or the number three is incompetent and need to be replaced. And then he says <laughs> the next thing, us fatties look at the scrum a little differently. If we see a prop in trouble, we obviously check his height, back, and foot positions. Once we are satisfied with that, we check the back row and are in, we check that the back row are in strong pushing positions and are in fact pushing. Not only focus on simply crucifying the opposing out half. I found it interesting. I think we do need to call out some of these pundits who talk, talk about scrums, almost like officials talk about scrums and don't know what they're talking about. 
Right. It's kind of disappointing how there's more and more stirs around the rugby community. Like, is the scrum as important as it once was? Is it as a skill as it once was? Um, or is it just a hot mess that no one knows what's going on? And every time somebody goes down, they just call a penalty and nobody knows why. So uh, an interesting debate. And from, from a front rower yourself, I can see why you were drawn to that. So uh, kudos. Uh, an interesting read. I don't think we got where you got that from, though. Oh, that was uh, uh, off of Rugby Pass. Rugby Pass quoted him from his LinkedIn. Awesome. Another great resource, of course. Uh, you can continue to be able to thank them for bringing us the Rugby Network, of course, because it is powered by RugbyPass.com. Let's go ahead and share uh, some views from uh, Rob. Yeah, I, I want to celebrate fan groups. Um, for those who are fans of the MLR who don't know, there are a lot of fan groups that have developed out there and they're taking it up a notch. Go see your fan group leader, guys like, um, you know, uh, Doug Wilkie, guys like Benji, guys like Scott, uh, the big guy, guys like uh, Rick Collins and Christian Jacobson and Grant Cole from the respective teams. They're organizing so that when when fans from um, one team want to go to an, a visiting team and go on the road, they're organizing information like where are the best bars, what hotel do you want to stay at, what hotel is the team staying at, what are some good restaurants, what can you do, what's the vibe like when you get to the park. Having all those things mapped out so that folks who want to go on a proper MLR tour can have the best experience possible. My shout out to those guys who organize this. It's a, it's a, great, a great thing. See your fan group leader if you want to get involved. I love that. And of course, here on the Rugby Rant, you know, it's so important. If you've been a viewer for quite some time, you'll know our goal is to help grow rugby one fan at a time. And we can certainly do that by bringing like-minded fans together uh, to be able to embrace that, that the culture around the city, around the team, and to reinforce it on game day. These guys are doing something wonderful. Uh, and in addition to the names that you had mentioned, of course, the Legion and their cohort as well, who I believe is working more closely than ever before with the management of San Diego uh, as they continue to be able to grow their fan base there. And the teams themselves, the management, are seemingly allowing and encouraging these teams to find their own identity, which is the other half of it, which is really, really great to see. Thanks for that one, Rob. Of course, fans first. For us here on the Rugby Rant, let's hand it over to Cam Tice. Well, as many of us know, Damian McKenzie, the All Blacks fullback, um, sort of a regular in that position for them, made his debut for Suntory Sungoliath this past weekend. Uh, also scored a try, not a bad way to debut. And But what I think what's more important is the price tag that came along with his move to the Japanese, Is it? I believe it's League One now. Um, mm-hmm. I think what we're seeing now is just the cusp of some of these powerhouse markets, New Zealand, uh, England, Australia, players moving to these secondary markets where the price tags are going to be, you know, for lack of a better term, coughed up. And I, I think that could be a, a precipice for the, the U.S. market and MLR. Right, absolutely. And for those who aren't familiar, uh, the Japanese professional rugby leagues 
traditionally um, were, I would say, more closely linked to their to their corporate partners. Um, now they've kind of done a restructuring. They changed the sense of professionalism, uh, and it's changed the landscape forevermore. And for good reason. And Japan has found a new way to be able to show rugby uh, in a country uh, that is continuing to be able to bring, give back to rugby. Um, and it's great to be able to see players like, you know, from this side applying their trade there. So thanks for sharing that. And of course, um, you know, being from the rugby index, you wouldn't know what's going on with players overseas. Rob? Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, what do we see on the rugby network recently? We see those Japanese teams playing one another and being broadcast on the rugby network. So, right. you know, it's great to be able to see all the things that Cam's talking about there manifest itself on the screen and it's easily accessible and it's free fans. We know we love free rugby. And in case you didn't know, you could also see us on the rugby network each and every week. <laughs> Thanks for that uh, little window. There, uh, Rob. Yeah. I got to make sure I get every plug in where possible. So uh, I believe uh, we got to throw it back to Scott. What else do you have to share? Uh, well, you know, the news came out that Alev Kelter and Hope Rogers are moving over to the Premiership. Uh, Tess Fury also uh, not going to the Premiership or going to Ireland to play uh, rugby for, for um, I forgot what team. God, it eludes me. Sorry. Um, but I just want to talk about the prevalence of uh, American women um, going over and playing in the Premiership right. and playing in Europe rugby. Um, and here's the thing. You know, we do have the WPL here in America. And I got to be honest, they're, even though they don't get the, the airtime that the Premiership does, you know, they are on point as far they're on par as far as the level and, and, the, and the competitiveness. And here's the thing, you know, believe it or not, uh, these women going over the Prem, they're not actually getting paid to play rugby. Um, they don't have a work visa. So a lot of them are just working remotely uh, back with the people they're working back in the States. So I just thought uh, in, in this moment of COVID and rugby and everything and people going remote, you know, in, in their regular jobs, it's allowing these women to continue to work in America and play rugby at the highest level in the premiership. Geez, fantastic. Kudos to them. And what an opportunity if you could seize it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to, to that same point, though, I, I would extend it not only is it an American woman, but, of course, the Canadian uh, sisters, too, um, where I think oh, yeah. they had nine from their last uh, national game playing overseas uh, in the UK in general. And I think the number was close to that for the U.S. as well. So um, even more important to recognize the value of that as they enter a World Cup campaign. And, and, talking, uh, and that experience they gain overseas is going to be valuable. And talk about, it, I believe Sale this weekend had an all had a, had two props in the front row for uh, two American props in the front row. So I, oh, I found there you go. And you know the props should be on the top of your list as picks <laughs> that you want to buy for your team. Uh, as uh, as I'm sure Scott will will say each and every time. Rob, what have you got to share? Yeah, interestingly, on January 13th, uh, USAR put out a thank you to Abigastitis for her service for the USAR sevens. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. It got a lot. I mean, I don't think I saw one positive um, comment on Facebook about that. It was mostly negative and it came from two general uh, perspectives. One was that they didn't let the athlete throw the thank you out first or, or announce the retirement, if you will. And okay. secondly, they were upset that she was dropped. Uh, and I found the comments interesting. Um, but we haven't gotten much context afterwards, so I'm I'm hesitant to comment one way or the other. I was kind of hoping some more information would come out, whether it was she was being dropped because there were other players that were better or whether she was uh, kind of uh, pulled out herself uh, for other reasons. Um, you know, right. It's just left to speculation at this it, point. Yeah, it's just lots of speculation. So I'll be interested to see if more information comes out about this down the road. And we can get more of a context and then we right. can start to actually um, 
you know, levy some opinion, opinion that would be based about it on no more, yeah. Well, you'll have to keep your ear to the ground and let our viewers know yeah. what you learn. Um, but there's a great servant to rugby uh, sevens. 100%. Um, a fan of the show. We had her on here uh, as, as a guest. And, and, I, and I've just deemed her as a fan, whether she likes it or not. But I'm assuming <laughs> she was here, so she must have liked us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Abby listens to us, so should you. Um, <laughs> so let's throw it over to Cab. Well, and uh, actually news from today, uh, Pago Heine. Uh, now of New York, um, a, a, a sort of a fan favorite moving over from L.A. Uh, we also saw Hanko earlier, I believe last week, Hanko uh moving to L.A., almost a forward or back row for a back row. Uh, now on his, I believe, fourth of fourth team of five years in the MLR. Mm-hmm. So do you think this is kind of indicative of where rugby is going to go in the MLR landscape that players at the highest level will just be, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of chasing uh, the next best opportunity? I think we're seeing a transition with that. With the early few years, the uh, sort of free agency rules or regulations that the league had put into because they follow a single entity model where Technically, the league owns a contract, not necessarily mm-hmm. a club. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a lot more ability to sort of um, discourage player tran- transition and transaction. But now, uh, with any sport, um, teams are jockeying for different different types. They're becoming more complex with their strategy right. on how to roster build. Are they trading away draft picks? Are they trading away salary capital? Um, I, I think it's almost inevitable that we're going to see more player movement and more complex player movement. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is, the, you know, normal for any professional sport that continues to grow and continues to evolve. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of chatter online uh, in the social media platforms out there that when you see players moving to LA, it's usually because of money. Uh, and I said, I but I tell you what, you're going to enjoy that sunshine even hey. more if you're on a jet ski because you can afford it. Yeah, um, listen, there's plenty of sunshine when they go to Rooney. They just have to look over in the stands and see uh, the big guy's bright, shining face. Exactly. Uh, you know what Biggie uh, said? Hey, Cali got gunplay models on the runway. You know, <laughs> come on. Right, right, right. So, I mean, it's great, to, first of all, to be able to see uh, guys like Hunku uh, who have been successful at the highest level of what the game offers uh, for North America very successful for the Eagles, arguably one of the most successful really of the last season uh, and most consistent, I think for, for the MLR Rooney and the U S now moving to the, uh, to the LA organization who of course are reigning champs where he'll fit in there. I think he's going to slot in easily. um, And I think he's going to be playing alongside a lot of other great stars, um, but they're just boosting that roster again and reinforcing it with uh, signing big name players for longer terms, which is also good to be able to see. Um, one thing that I just wanted to be able to highlight before we move away from around the pitch, which is a new segment for us. So make sure you, if you like this and you're listening or you're watching us, tell us if you enjoy this, tell us if you think it's crap. We want to be able to know why, because this is all about you and want to make sure we provide the news that you need to know in the way that you want to hear it and see it. Uh, but the final thing that I wanted to bring up is that, Rugby ATL is going to have a new home this year as they move away from the traditional snake pit at uh, um, um, Life University to be able to adopt the Silverback Stadium, which is arguably 
for many people, a much, much better home for them in the long run as they have more availability to use the field, use the, the facilities better than they might have in the past. It'll be interesting to be able to see um, how, if that will kind of uh, change things for them. Uh, if not, uh, we've had a few changes over the years with stadiums as teams try to find a place they can call home for a longer time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if it'll have the same zeitgeist and, 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 and uh, spirit that it once did uh, in uh, the snake pit. So gentlemen, that's it for our Around the Pitch. We'll be back in just a few moments. Before then, we're going to share some news from one of our sponsors. And welcome back, rugby fans, of course. It's now time for The Rant. What made us famous here on the Rugby Rant podcast show is that we put three guests against each other in a rugby debate to compete for top honors and to call themselves Top Ranter. How it works, they're each going to be given a total of two minutes to be able to rant the topic at hand, put forth what they think is important, put down what they think isn't. And as a result, at the end, we'll find out who has made the best case and the best argument and she'll be crowned the winner of that rant. So what are we going to talk about here today, gentlemen? Well, it's that hot topic of rugby player values, perceived values, accuracy behind them. We're going to dig into that a little bit more because few people seem confused. Some people think it makes total sense. Is it right for where we are right now? Are the values up to, to, uh, to question marks? Let's hand it over to our team. And we're going to start this round with a guy who knows it best. We're actually going to start it in reverse. And we're going to hand it over to Cam Tice, who, of course, will share his insights and why, of course, he feels connected to this. Well, obviously, you know, this topic is near and dear to my heart. Um, post about it almost daily, pretty much weekly, uh, with our new valuations being released. Um, we'll actually get one out to tomorrow. My brother and I were actually on a bachelor party this weekend. So we're just a little bit a day behind. Um, yeah. We'll let it go. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're perfect. We're, we're at that point where we need to start asking ourselves, what is the value of these players? Um, right. so we, we hinted at it with player you know, transactions are going to become more complex. It's not so much, um, you know, you're going to play and work. It's, we're, we're paying you to work or to play and that is your job and that is your sole focus. So it's time to, you know, set a precedence that, you know, where, where are these players going to be valued and how are they going to be valued on the open market? And more importantly, right. So for those fans that are listening in and aren't aware, Cam, tell us a little bit about what rugby index does then. So while we our, our original focus was following the transaction of players um, throughout the MLR and the U.S. National and U.S. Canada teams, we have also introduced a new uh, topic of content where we have created valuations for the players of the MLR. And recently, we've been re- releasing a top 10 of each position group. What these values are indicative of are a remaining price or value of each player. So obviously players that are in scoring positions, typically fly half, scrum half, fullback, where most of your points are being generated from are going to be valued higher. Players who are younger in age, but have, you know, national caps, international caps, 
are going to be valued higher. So certain benchmarks that they achieve will then push them up in value. Right. I gave Cam a little bit more time there because he offered a really good platform for the rest of us to be able to build upon. Uh, Because that's what a lot of people were curious about is how does it make sense? Where is this all coming from? What data is driving it? Um, so you've offered some context there, which I think is much uh, valued in, 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 the, in the framework of this conversation. But let's hand it over to Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt to see what he thinks. Yeah, well, the, the player valuations are real tough. And I think it's uh, especially tough for fans who don't understand the inner workings of the league. I mean, they they follow teams, they know players, they have an understanding that there's a salary cap both in the aggregate and for an individual, but they don't necessarily understand that there's also benefits that players get. Um, and it rather, this is where we see a lot of the mud, the water being muddied with in terms of what players are earning, you know, in their current contracts. Uh, you know, one of my mates, we know him. He's been a friend of the show, been on a number of times. David Fee was talking to a GM recently in the league and the GM voiced and basically said, Hey, I'd rather do away with all the benefits and just raise the salary cap. It'd be a lot easier than chasing down apartments, than chasing down, you know, furniture, than getting guys cars and doing all these other things. If we just gave the guy a salary and said, you've got to sort yourself out, we'll facilitate the way we can. So I I think in a lot of the ways our players are being, you know, um, uh, supported financially, um, it, it creates a, a, a lot of convoluted context and understanding of, of evalu- evaluations. And it's why it's, it's nice to see right. uh, someone like Cam come in and, and do what he's doing. You have no idea what their value right. currently is right. and what their arrangement is, what their deal is. And when it's so flexible, and as you say, the waters are so muddied, it's very hard to be able to find an equal platform yeah. to be able to gauge it, uh, it upon. So a uh, really good point there is, um, you know, kind of stemming off a little bit of that is how do we how do we get to a place first to be able to get to 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 decide that? Yeah, okay, I can get that. Let's hand it over to Scott, the big guy, Ferrar. Well, we're still cooking. I think you know it's funny because a lot of fans are complaining about you know the valuations and not understanding them and just saying you know this and the other thing, but then they complain that there's no advanced analytics. So you have somebody who's giving you advanced analytics and then you're complaining about them, which I find hysterical. But I think you know what. Again, the biggest thing people don't understand is it's a valuation over a player's career. You know, at this point, they will they will they should be making X amount of money over their career. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just use, uh, for example, uh, Holden Younger, right? Who's who's going to be on the show later? Um, let's just say, you know, this is his fifth year in the MLR. Let's say he had a max contract of fifty thousand dollars over those five years. You know, I mean, we're talking about two hundred fifty thousand dollars as valuation for his career. You know, if if Rugby Index in twenty eighteen said his valuation was two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then by the end of year five. He's made that. I mean, it's it's pretty simple, you know, when you, when you understand it that way. But I think these are the type of advanced analytics you need to drive um, people forward. I mean, especially if you want to grab those fans, those you know, those those conversion fans, right? Those NFL fans, they talk about statistics all the time. Baseball fans talk about statistics all the time, and those are the fans, you know, hockey fans. They they want they love statistics, they love advanced analytics, and they love to explain to their friends why their advanced analytics are are right. And they're wrong. So I think this is the first step into doing that. I think it's great to have an outside organization doing that. And we need more of these outside organizations to bring that those together to then say, hey, you know, we have the MLR. They're putting out their stats. But we do have a third party there that's kind of giving you a little bit more in-depth information. 
than the MLO right. might want to give you. And you need that, and you need you need a you need a third you need a fourth organization because then the more data you have you can get a better baseline, better understanding, and you've got comparables. Um, but I do like what you said, though, is that you've got to look at the potential of someone's, uh, 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 that they have. So, you know, what's the longevity of their career on the current trend? Can we offer a prediction? And that's all it is, a prediction. And also in the other half, when people say, oh, there's no way somebody is getting paid $275,000 in the MLR, I know for a fact that the highest paid player is X. That's not what we're saying here. It's just the same as if you have a house and you have it valuated at X amount until you sell it and actually get that money, it's just a valuation, right? It's an evaluated perceived value, but it is an indication of where that player is in relation to what their value could be if they were to be sold. I don't know if that'll mean domestically or if it will mean internationally, but I think that there are some assessments and some great data to be able to support this. Um, What I did find interesting, Cam, is that you said that typically uh, players who might have a higher valuation will be those point scoring positions. So does that mean as a tight head, you're worth nothing? (laughs) (laughs) That's actually not true at all. Uh, One of our top 10 valuations, Chance Wangaluski, um, a guy who kind of was Mr. Do-It-All, was obviously a force in the scrums for Atlanta, um, also was able to knock in some tries, uh, was a great short yard, short meter uh, presence for them. And on top of that, he's doing it all under the age of, I believe he's only 24. Oh, um, he's young, yeah. Double-digit caps for the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that it's um, – a, a, a worthless position or an unnecessary position that we should all just take fly halves and scrum halves out there. Right, right, right. Um, I think <laughs> we just call that sevens anyways. But I was going to say, you just call that rugby. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I think, you know, and I think coming out with the rugby index and me and Hammer were talking about it because, you know, anytime somebody doesn't mention Cam Dolan in a top 10 anything in the MLR, the Hammer gets his panties in a twist. Right. Um, but if you take, if think about it, Cam Dolan, Nick Savetta, Nate Brinkley, right? top three in their position in the MLR, essentially all Eagles that play together, but due to their age, they're not top 10 in the valuation. Right. Cause they were on the tail end of their the career. career. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's what we're, oh, I'm sorry, Ty. No, no, no. Actually, I was kind of curious because I think that our viewers might enjoy hearing a little bit more of what goes into like these metrics that design this, right? So uh, Scott pointed out really good example. Here you have on one hand, a player who's really uh, great right now, but doesn't have the longevity of somebody like uh, Wangaluski because uh, of, of age alone. And, and, and are you measuring like, say, the average career 10 years? And if you get 10 years in rugby, you've got a, you've got a good career, right? at professional rugby of course so can you run us through like what some of those metrics might be and then are they specific to positions as well and if so how much of it is specific so the the only position specific is we we grouped it into five categories uh based on position and what the biggest uh indicator is how consistently is your position group scoring points shocker you know, flankers are not scoring very many points. They're tackling machines. They're, they, you know, smashing the rucks. They're really not generating a whole lot of offense. Typically you have your exceptions with like Angus Cottrell, but that's not a domestic player. That's a, that's an anomaly to the statistic. Mm -hmm. And he's doing it all at 32 years old, which is really not going to help him in, in terms of valuation. 
Right. Where it's really going to help is the young, probably the internationals that are coming in are probably somewhere above their, the U S Canadian talent pool, but because of the disparity in the international scene with Australia, New Zealand, they're coming over and that's where the higher values are coming from are the players that have been here for a few years have made a name for themselves and are sort of dominating the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or I mean, the, I like the, that. Young, the young U S Canadian uh, caps like Ryan James or right. Um, LA. Yeah. Some of that standouts for LA. Mm. So uh, I, I, I glancing at some of the valuations that have come out, I've seen some as high as around about 275, which is probably why I mentioned that number before. So do you do you perceive uh, those 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 values going up by the end of each uh, each season um, for those those key players, or do you think that it will kind of normalize and that might be the peak? I think until we see a collective bargaining act within a union of the league, I think we're going to see a pretty pretty close to this being the ceiling of what players are going to earn until they have sort of a a voice of their own to you know mm-hmm. push push that for the higher salary caps for the revenue sharing of the tv deals now they're you know probably not making any money on the tv deals right now so it's probably not something i want to negotiate but that's a completely different topic right. but what i think is probably what, what we're thinking is that these are prices that the mlr teams are going to pay amongst each other it's not these are these are the players that we're seeing i, I think for example is Jason Robertson from um, DC last year was a young 20 something, absolutely lit it up. And after I believe just two seasons with DC is now playing over in France where some, and it's pro D2. So it's not the top mm-hmm. level, but they're most of the contracts are triple quadruple. What we believe, you know, players in MLR are making. So that that's sort of the, the pathway that they're going to follow. And that's, you know, we kind of saw that from the beginning when we saw all these young uh, internationals from New Zealand and Australia coming over, make their name in the league. Then when they're sort of entering the prime of their career, the 25, 26, 27 year old stage, they've gotten a chance to showcase and then have, then have the opportunity to, I guess, have the stats to leverage their, their value rather than right. sitting on an academy side. Right, for, they got evidence, for, right? For right. And, and I totally get that. And and don't aren't we seeing the I w- I don't know that it's the reverse, but aren't we seeing that happen from the American side too? There are American players who are doing the same thing. Uh is it Saul Mooching that is going to play in France now? Yeah, yes, that's correct. right. Uh, Toulouse right now. He's, yeah, in Toulouse. He's, and he's, then he's got Ruben de Haas with the Saracens as well. That's great right. success there. Right. And and uh, there's another player, and I'm not sure if it's public, but it's a player that was a, a standout for his particular team last year that's looking for a contract in France right now as well. And France is always a good option. And as Cam pointed out, there's 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 a, a good paying wage for rugby players from the top down to like, uh, so D2, and then there's one below that, and I don't know what they call it. Um, it's more, it's a kind of like a semi-pro league. But you're paid to be able to play rugby. You're playing in a, in a rugby-rich culture, um, and they can make more doing that there. So 
yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. And, and this may very well be a training ground or at least where you can prove your skills as, as a young league. The MLR may very well become that, um, especially for players that are coming from, from other countries, more established, and they're looking for game time and looking at opportunities, you said, with uh, young players like from New Zealand and, and, and Australia. My question to the group and whoever wants to be able to jump in to answer this one uh, is the answer then that the league should start looking at seriously considering to up that, uh, that uh, salary budget, that salary cap, keep players here longer, you know? Well, I think gonna... Cam hit it on the head. You have to get a collective bargaining agreement. And that's something that MLR has been putting off. So until they do that, you know, they can yeah. essentially do whatever they want. Sure. And I get that for the bargaining power for them. And of course, a union as well would help. <laughs> yeah. But, but I definitely get that. But do you think that the rugby might become more competitive by lifting that, that salary cap as well? Uh, and teams will have a little bit more freedom to be able to, to keep players here and also draw other players from other countries. I think it goes back to my regular point. Are, are they purely going to establish a salary cap and, and not ancillary benefits right. on the side? Because I think that's where we see play, where why we're seeing players move around is that yeah, there's a salary cap that's above board, but all the other stuff. I mean, let's face it: uh, if you're a young player, would you rather have a condo on the beach in Santa Monica, or whether, or would you rather you know have a have a place you know, no disrespect, but you know, a place in you know just outside of Marietta that's not really tied to any you know beautiful sunrises. <laughs> so yeah i mean you bring up a really good point though i mean if you had your choice gentlemen what would you say would be the next step forward though do you think we should uncomplicate the payment structure more transparency by just having one system for everyone i think transparency by the league uh obviously and i and i understand both sides of it they don't want the um the compensation packages to be public because Right now, they're not all that flattering. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, as we sort of said, it's be- we said in the beginning, it's better than nothing. We're, we finally have a professional space for players to showcase their talents. But I think we're at that point, we're five years in, it's at that point where we need to start having a transition where it's, oh, great, we have something. It's got to be more mm-hmm. where players are, like Rob said, or maybe it wasn't Rob, but they're having a livable wage and, and not just livable, but a a wage where they can, um, you know, extra care for their body, for their nutrition. And I'm not saying we're going to jump to NBA style salaries anytime soon, but uh, uh, at least a, a salary where we can see athletes truly just focus on being athletes and not mm-hmm. academy coaches or community outreach coordinators to, to supplement that, that sort of income for them. Yeah. Professional rugby players with a part-time rugby, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and they have to make sacrifices. Ironic. That's where we are. And, and I want to kind of drill down to one of the important questions and it was prompted by Rob. So I'm going to give him an extra point there, but uh, it, it, it so do you think that it would be better and you, and you pointed out that, well, we don't want much transparency right now because it might not be flattering to the league to say that they're paying people as much as they are paying them or as little as they might be paying them in some cases. But to Rob's earlier point, if you just uncomplicated and you said, okay, let's lift the salary cap, you give the players more 
uh, on on the, the salary, and they figure out the other stuff in between, their accommodation and all blah, 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 blah. Of course, you provide the facilities, nutrition, uh, rehabilitation, all that stuff that they need. But here's your say, your pay. I mean, my company, when I worked, they don't arrange my house for me. I would rather take a higher salary and you figure it out yourself. Do you think that that's just a less complicated way that we should probably think about moving towards? And to your earlier point, Cam, it would look more flattering because they now end up having higher salaries, right? Uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, yeah. I like that. The answer is yes. The, the GM that, that Fee spoke with just thought it would be, it would uncomplicate a lot of the issues that he had to deal with. Now it may, there may be some other advantages we don't know about in terms of tax and IRS and blah, 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 by doing benefits, because maybe it's only taxed at a certain percentage as opposed to a full salary, right? I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. But there are many upsides to uncomplicating the scenario that I think could also make it more attractive for sponsors and those want to come in as partners, because it does look like a league that can pay a million dollars worth in salaries to players is as an appearance being successful, right? Because you got money's got to come in, but 500 to, to outside leagues is very meager and not attractive. What is attractive is when you can say, I could pay you a hundred grand a year. Now that's a livable wage and that's a good career. So that might be the way forward and it might simplify things and become more attractive to partners at all different levels. Wouldn't you, you gentlemen agree? Certainly. Yep. All right. So with that all being said, we have now dug deep into being able to share some of the metrics behind how we get to these valuations that have been shared by the rugby index um, in regards to trading prices and those valuations reaching the hundreds of thousands. Many of you would ask, how? How do we get to that? Well, it's now been properly explained. It's con continuously evolving. But right now, I think the win is that this is the first organization that has taken it upon themselves to be able to give us this type of information. And because that hunger is out there from you as the fans, they'll continue to do so. Share what feedback you want to be able to learn, what more you want to be able to know. And I'm sure Cam and his team will be happy to be able to share that with you. And Cam, while we have the, the attention of our viewers, tell us where they can go learn more. We are currently on four platforms right now. Your Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, just at Rugby Index, short and sweet. And we also are posting our content on LinkedIn. Um, feel free to follow us on all of them. Fantastic. Yep. Drop them a comment. Tell us what you think about uh, certain players receiving high evaluations. Remember uh, that props are worth nothing. Um, <laughs> Scott's worth I'm sorry. That's only just a little bit of a joke because we've got the other uh, resident front rower here um, with Scott Ferrara. So uh, uh, did you have any final comment? You unmu unmuted yourself, Scott. I felt, I felt like you had something you wanted to say. No, just the typical Saffas. They just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And talk. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're breaking up. Uh, can you put yourself on mute again? <laughs> well, gentlemen, okay, that's it for this round. And for those fans who want to be able to get more content from us, who want to be able to see our additional rants, uh, you can go and check us out on patreon.com forward slash rugby rant pod. We've recently opened this up for some of our most dedicated fans. Uh, for a very small fee, you can have access 
access to a lot more content from us here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, uh, including but not limited to uh, continuing the theme of the run, pass, or kick interviews with the Rugby Insider. You can get the full-length interviews there, uh, in addition to the extended rant debates, which, of course, is one of our most popular formats. You can also continue to be able to watch us online for free under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod on all our social media platforms, uh, and including the chance to be able to see us each week on the Rugby Network, where we continue to be able to share our content each and every week. Again, that is on the Rugby Network. Well, we're going to take a quick break as we step away for a moment. We'll be back in just a few. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.